Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Mingry Nation podcast. Welcome to it. Um, hey, we're still NIT champs. Uh, North Texas is, uh, I, th- I think I saw the Dallas Morning News say it's the biggest championship that North Texas has won in 71 years. And uh, I was thinking about it as I was walking up the stairs to, to sit down and record with uh, Mr. Greg Godecker. How you doing on this fine Sunday morning? I'm doing all right. A little tired. I'm I'm, I'm I'm at my parents' house in the Berg. I got the mom. My mom's working on some pancakes for me. So, you know, we're all good. I mean, yeah, that doesn't sound like a rough life at all. I had pancakes this morning because my lovely wife uh, was making some. Uh, so, you know, I think you were joking. I'm thinking super secret Mingry Nation Slack. Hey, uh, so what did you give up to be able to go to Vegas, Las Vegas? Uh, well, we got three puppies. Now, did I give those up? Was it a trade? Did we look at each other and say tit for tat? No, but I went to Vegas, and soon after she said, Hey, I want to get these puppies. And I was like, uh, I guess I can't really see. No. <laughs> anyway, so we got puppies and so, but, you know, it's been waking up in the middle of the night. Um, good times. They're real cute. Uh, you know, so like, hey, shout out. So here's the thing. I have, I'm staring at it over here, is, uh, is podcasting gear and uh, um, friend of the show, com member. Chris Rodriguez sent that over a little donation to the show. Uh, I think in part because he was like, "Yeah, hey, I don't like the way you move that mic around, buddy, all the time when you do the the, the video podcast." <laughs> the other part was like, "Hey, no, just it's some stuff, quality stuff. We can make the podcast a little bit better." Um, so hey, I, we appreciate that. You know, it was not asked for. I didn't say, "Hey, please donate anything or anything like that." He said, "Just a little donation to the show." So shout out there at the top of the of the hour. Um, you know, we appreciate that. I'm not using it at the moment because, like, it was bang, bang, bang. I got in back home Friday morning, right, you know, after celebrating the win Thursday evening. I got about two hours of sleep, I got to tell you. Um, Woke up early, got on the plane, slept on the plane, landed back home, immediately went to work. Also, there was, like, a tornado watch around here. And then played with my kids. They're like, hey, come on, Dad, let's watch a movie. And I fell asleep during the movie. And then, you know, <laughs> and then wake up early Saturday and we had, you know, dance class, take one kid, and then took the kids to a baseball game where it was cold. <laughs> so I had to buy a lot of gear. But we're, we're all good. We had a good time. Um, and so it just, it just been one thing after another. And the evening, I want to watch a little Final Four. I want to talk about that, talk about FAU for a second before we get into the nitty gritty of North Texas Mean Green stuff. Um, and now we're here. So that Chris, if you're like, man, I'm not hearing that great uh, uh, mic that I gave you there. It's because I haven't set it up yet. It'll be the next time. Um, all right. So how did you spend the the hours after winning the NIT? Well, I talked to you. Um, went <laughs> to bed. Uh, got up. You know, got like about three and a half hours of sleep. Got up. Got everybody ready for for school. Um, and then as I was driving into work, I put on, um, the Howard Huntsbury version 
that's Howard Hunsbury, Kai's father. His <laughs> his version of higher and higher as I was driving into work. And uh, just thinking about the whole season and everything, the McCaslin era. And, and so I felt a little emotional. I'm not going to lie. I did have some tears that came down my face because uh, <laughs> I knew that it was all going to end. Um, so, yeah, that was about it. Worked all day Friday, Saturday, kid at a soccer game. Um, my son's soccer team is Celtic, so they're they're green, and I have plenty of green to wear. All the other, <laughs> like all the other parents are like, look at this family; they're all like decked out, coordinated. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, well, you know, look at us. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, my wife. Her her grandma's like 94th birthday was yesterday, and her dad's birthday was on Friday. So. We are down here in the small town of Schulenburg, Texas, celebrating with some family. You know, it is a small town, and I, and I think I know two of like the ten people from Schulenburg, which is crazy. Um, all right, back to it. Uh, so, hey, FA, FAU went out. Here, there's two ways to go out, right, in the NCAA tournament. One is just like, oh, you got beat, whatever. Everybody kind of forgets about it. And the other is via buzzer beater. So if you want to make your moment in the NCAA tournament last, get beat by a buzzer beater, you know? And here's the thing. We'll always remember FAU being in the Final Four because they're going to always play that Lamont Butler pull-up jumper to win the game. Uh, it, yeah. won, it, it won because I've seen all the highlights. I, don't, I didn't even know what... I remember Keith Smart hitting that jumper, but I just remember like the highlights of it. I'm not my my time, my memory doesn't go back that far. I don't even know if I was alive. Um, but I seen the highlights of that one. I seen the highlights of uh Mike Jordan doing the pull up. That was not quite a buzzer beater, but classic jumper. He did that, you know, he did a little pull up mid range. He it's had the perfect the, form. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can say. It's gonna be in the one shining moment. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? And, uh, I mean, there you go. Like, I can go back to not liking FAU a little bit, you know what I mean? Because I was rooting for them, but in that intellectual way, I was like, look, I want FAU to win. It'll be greater than win a national championship. Then we can point to FAU, North Texas, and even Charlotte and say, look at this, the top of the of this league that North Texas has been competing in for 10 years now has been pretty good. And we got a little due respect at the end, won all three uh all three national championships, <laughs> that prestigious CBI, um, the NIT, and then the, you know the NCAA. Well, you know what? Like I said, it, I think if going out this way was you got to go out. You got to go out somewhere. Might as well be in an epic moment. What's fun is that no, John John no, L. Davis no. always makes that bucket. Man, it's weird that he got blocked or missed it. it that he's been making that all year. Well, what are you saying? No. No, I don't want to go out like that way. Like, I mean, I, I if, if that was North Texas, I would have locked myself in a room for about a week and not talked to anybody, not ate anything, just just nothing. Like, I don't want to feel that. No, I mean, yeah, I, 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 don't, I know that they don't want to feel that. I'm saying, like, well, you know, at least it's that. Like, we're just always remember, you know, Mont Buller, pull-up jumper. Uh, like, there was, a, again, I, I think Jean, my wife, right, she was saying, same thing she was like i guess i didn't really want fau to win because i don't really feel anything about them getting beat that way and that's how i feel also like i mean i, I was i wanted fau to win 
but the basketball fan in me it was like man that was a great comeback and a great bucket uh like i said form was perfect you know he had the jumper head on the side you know what i mean follow through he said the shot that he's comfortable with i didn't want them to win i you were rooting against them (laughs) it wasn't us yeah i mean i don't i don't i don't hate them but i mean again it wasn't us we we've earned the respect from for our league already like yeah. every, you know, them getting to the final four and everything. Yeah. I don't want FAU to have a national title over us. No, I, like, I, I get all that. I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I wanted it to happen maybe intellectually because it's a nice round thing. Hey, Conference USA won the national championship, the NIT, the CBI. Now you got to say, you know, they won the NIT, CBI, and then, you know, FAU gets to the final four. I mean, whatever. No, nobody really cares, you know. I, but I, I, I wanted it. But it's in the same way that I wanted, North, I wanted UAB in the final, in the NIT final. But when I was sitting there with everybody else, and we weren't watching Utah Valley get a bucket, everybody's cheering, right? Everybody wanted Utah Valley to win. It's not as pretty. It's not as nice or whatever like that. But you know, whatever. Um, I think there's what your heart wants, and then there's what maybe your brain wants. It's sports, man. Um, makes you do crazy things. Uh, so here, here's the thing. It, it's not going to happen, but it just popped into my brain. What, let, let's just say, Dusty Mays t- text uh, Jared Mosley and he's like, hey, you know, I go coach, I go coach up there in Dallas. Would you say yes? Like, how quickly would you say yes? Uh, I would have said yes <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> uh, he's getting, he's going to get the Lane Kiffin contract. So he's getting like a 10 year deal. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, all that really matters for Dusty May is the buyout. Because it's, it's essentially like a one year rental. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be other jobs that open. You know, what is Jim Laranaga? I think we talked about it before. Laranaga at Miami, Leonard Hamilton, Florida State, even the Indiana job. Right. That's probably where he wants to be. Because he grew, I mean, he started as a manager under Bobby Knight. Yep. So, like, I mean, that's the area where he's from. But, um, yeah, he's going to get like a 10-year probably <clears throat> probably close to maybe $2 million a year, I would suspect, something like that. That's not bad. Yeah, You know, I always forget. We we have different levels of listener, right? Like I think usually we talk, and a lot of long-time listeners kind of know what we're talking about. But I know this is the NIT wins, first podcast after. So we got new listeners. Let me just say So I'm Adam. This is Greg. Greg, say hi. Uh, and this is the basketball version of this podcast. Usually, if you listen to before, you may there's another guy there. It's Aldo. Aldo usually does a, the football stuff with me. Okay, well we have Greg on. It just it's just a matter of scheduling. Um, and in and um, I mean, so I just got back from Las Vegas when I was there for the NIT tournament. Greg was at home, so he was watching on TV. And uh, you know, we we podcasted immediately after the game, and we talked a lot about Grant McGaslin. Uh, who at the time we, we strongly suspected, like with 99% certainty, was leaving Texas Tech. That has been confirmed, announced, all the other good stuff. Um, I mean, it, it hurt, like I said, it, it tweaked me a little bit to see him be like, you know, what's up, Red Raider Nation? You know, wreck him. And then him walking his little red shirt. I was like, man, yeah, I have to wear red for my, my rec league game. And then they were like, hey, we're wearing red this weekend. I was like, I, can we switch back to green, please? <laughs> 
We wear green and then we wear red. Reds are alternate. And I'm like, ah, I can't wear this. I have to wear this red right now. And I don't like it. I got to tell you right now. Um, so so there you go. Uh, I think it's a, it is. I wrote about this. It's time, you know, for a lot of reasons. One of which, including, it's just it's been six years. Um, I think he's ready for the next challenge. I think he won about about everything that you can win at North Texas within reason. NIT won it. CBI won it. Um, Conference USA regular season titles. He won two of them. Conference USA tournament. He won it. You know. Uh, how about individual awards? Are your players getting any? Yeah, I got a couple of guys. Conference USA Player of the Year. All right. Well, is anybody going pro? Yeah. Thomas Bell, Mike Miller, Zach Simmons. Um, was it uh Dengu? Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else that went. And they're just off the top of my head. That's four dudes that went pro. They're playing overseas, playing like in, in Britain and whatever. But hey, those are professional basketball players, right? Um, so. That's about everything. Are are these good dudes? Yeah. Do they come back and love the program? Yeah. Look at uh, oh, I can't even think of that name. The little shooter guy. Guy's a uh, little white dude shooting. I can't even. DJ think. Draper. DJ Draper. Yeah. Um. You know he's he's back. He does like the, the color commentary on the broadcast sometimes. He started bleed green with his friend. Uh. You know JJ Murray and you know lots of people connect with the program. Um. You have all the things that you could want. Right, you he he gave you everything that he could possibly get in a program. Um, what you know? What about connection with the fan base? Yes, everybody loves the guy. With the media, yeah, they all love the guy. Um, you know, I think he's he's making his move to Texas Tech mostly for like a professional reason. He wants to win a national championship and he wants to compete. He doesn't want to need to be perfect in the regular season the way you need to be in Conference USA. And, Let's be honest. Probably in the American too. I, mean, I just I don't trust them to be like, ah, oh, well, you sure did a lot of winning. They're gonna find a reason. I I really believe if UAB upset FAU, that the tournament uh, selection committee would have found a reason to keep FAU out. You know, FAU to win the Final Four. No. <laughs> they would have stuck them in a playing game. They would have won the playing game. Uh, UAB would have won the playing game. We would have won the playing game. So. Yeah. FAU was getting in no matter what. So, so I mean, I, I say all that to, to, to say, like, I, I think that, you know, um, I think he liked it here. Uh, I think without reading between the lines, I think it's he didn't like that it was so hard to get a fan base in there. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of factors in it. Just people like uh, attendance declining across the nation and a lot of areas, everything from movie theaters to basketball to, you know, college football that people are not going to games as, as often. Uh, the pandemic in the middle of that, um, you, know, you know, inflation, whatever in there, all of it. But uh, Johnny Jones had about 4,500 people at his games. And that, those teams, while loved, were not as good, not as complete as these teams. And you just by the numbers, right? 31 wins in history. Um, and, and this one, most in history. Uh, and it's hard for him to get people to come out there. Um, and, you know, like, it, I don't know what it is, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it is for each individual person. Uh, uh, I think, you know, it's it just, it's kind of like human nature. It's hard. Yeah. You have the best, t- I got a 75 inch TV with the fastest internet and I can have all the entertainment in the world at my fingertips. I just press it. I don't even have to do it and say, Hey Siri, put on, uh, you know, put on some, some Avengers or something. And then, you know, movie comes on. It's amazing. 
And you're like, oh, I got to get up and go to the game. I got to walk over there. Yeah, just whatever. I get it. But then, you know, I'm saying if you want if you want a coach, uh, you got to support the coach. And sometimes it ain't money. Sometimes it's just, you know, buying a $10 ticket and sitting your butt down for two and a half hours and watching your team win. Yeah. Well, he did look pretty happy when he bought all those pictures and th- and those graphics that they already had in the practice facility. I'm like, man, you can't print those. You cannot print those overnight. They had those there like two weeks ago. Yeah. He, I mean, his voice is gravelly and I like that. You know, it was like, Hey, this guy was cheering and coaching up last night. huh? I mean, Texas tech to their credit, they, fu- they saw a good coach and they hired him. That's what you got to do. And you know they're whining and dining them right now. It's the it's the honeymoon period. Everybody's smiling. They all want to you know touch his hand, shake his hand, and they're all dreaming up what he's going to do over there. And I'm sure he'll be successful because he's a very good coach. He won at Arkansas State. He won before that in all those JUCO colleges that nobody cares to talk about. And then here at North Texas, right? Same deal. Uh, you know, we we took him from Arkansas State. Here eh, he didn't like the Arkansas State very much. <laughs> he didn't like the administration. Um, and so anyway, you know, good stuff. It's probably going to be Ross Hodge, the the next guy. That is, was Grant McCaslin's lead assistant, long rumored to be the guy. And I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'm cool with it. Y- insiders, they all like to say that Ross Hodge was the the kind guy. There are rumors that Reuben Jones and Aaron Scott stayed in the years that they stayed because I know Reuben Jones is kind of rumored to leave because of Ross Hodge and not Grant McCaslin, right? It, like Grant McCaslin's a good coach and you know, like leader of the organization in that way, but Ross Hodge was the guy that people really cared about. You know, like not that they didn't care about Mac, but that you know, it's that one. And um you know, you, you can interpret that whichever way or however you feel about it. Um, but I think that that means something. I know that you heard some rumors uh, about Scott. Everybody's recruiting these guys. I'll just say that off the top. Um, but what have you heard about our top three guys? I haven't heard anything about Ruben. I'm sure there's other teams recruiting him, but I mean, I think everybody wants to know is like, who is Texas Tech recruiting from this team? And, you know, one would be the obvious is Tyler Perry. But I I think that Tyler Perry's probably going to try the pro waters over transferring to Texas Tech. I don't I mean, he may want to go follow McCaslin. Like, that's fine. But I think he wants to go pro. Um, and then uh, the other one is, is Aaron Scott. Like, I think uh, I've heard that Texas Tech was trying to to bring him on board. I mean, I I can see that. Like uh, Grant McCaslin said about Aaron Scott, I think it's after his freshman year, that he could be one of the best all time at North Texas. And I was like, ah, oh, man, that's high praise for a guy averaging like two points a game. <laughs> I don't know what you say, but you know, he like Max says all the time. Yeah, if they people saw how we practice and the way we practice, like he's made some amazing plays in practice, right? Where he'll go, and I think he told the story after uh, to me. After the Middle Tennessee game, he's like, this is one time Aaron Scott was over on the right side, and he flew all the way over the across the court, you know, from the top of the key all the way down to the bottom and made a, the most spectacular block I've ever seen in practice, right? So he comes out here and makes a block in, against middle. 
yeah, I've seen him before, right? Because he's done <laughs> more spectacular things to practice. Uh, so it makes sense that you're looking at Aaron Scott um, and then trying to get him to, a, I guess, a, a bigger, shinier place more with more money, all that other good stuff. So I, I had heard that late in the game, a group of donors got together, reached in their sofas, pulled out some change, and was like, hey, we can get up to 2.2, Mr. McGaslin. Would that sway you from moving out to Lubbock? And he was like, no, I already kind of made the commitment, blah, blah, blah. All right. So I, I would say, look, look, you got that 2.2, whatever you got, deep in your sofa, found some coins, found a couple, 100,000 or whatever. Consider donating that to the NIL Collective. Right now, there's the one. It's like the Katara Collective, a secretive organization, shadow organization. And you can, you know, help to ensure that these guys, I mean, if you're like, well, they're already getting money. Yeah, give them a raise. They won a national championship. <laughs> they won the NIT, right, National Invitation Tournament. Um, you know, if there's ever a time to raise up the donation, um, I mean, now, now is it, right? Yeah. So a lot to unpack there. All right. You had the donors come in late in the game to try and sway McCaslin, right? I think if you have that offer right as the season ends, like he's probably staying in Denton and he's not talking to Texas Tech. But because he committed to them, like it, it felt more emotional than like tactical or a sound decision. It's just like, hey, don't go. Here's all this money type of thing. And at that point, who knows what discussions that Grant might have had with Ross. Might maybe Grant, you know, knew that Ross was going to be offered the job at that point and he didn't want to go back cuz then if if you're Ross, like how do you feel? Like I'm about to be offered this head coaching job and now they've come in and said, "No, no, no, you're not getting it because we want to try and keep McCaslin." Right? So it's a it's a tricky thing to play there. The other thing about where you're talking NIL money is like looking at a Texas Tech's roster, they spent close to $2.2 million on their NIL just for basketball players alone. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of quality players. So you can make that money go pretty far for a basketball team like North Texas. Now, I, you don't have to spend the $2 million on NIL stuff, right? If, if we, even if you spent, probably less than a million on a couple players that you brought in, you could put together a really quality mid-major program. Like, I mean, really quality program. And then the other thing would be is that, you know, if Ross Hodge is the guy um, and what is his salary going to be like, it's not going to be like, you're, you know, they're not going to offer him the $2 million deal. It's probably going to be closer to what McCaslin is making now or was making before he left the Texas Tech. So his base salary was like 800000 So <clears throat> maybe somewhere in the range of like 700000 is is his base salary. But increase the assistant pool. And I tweeted it out yesterday, like follow the Eric Mo- Morris model that football had. Give him a large assistant pool. Let him bring in quality guys and, you know, build an A-plus staff, right? Because it – um, one rule that's coming out in college basketball is you can add two additional assistant coaches to your bench. They can't go out and recruit, but you can add two more assistants. So that gives you a total of uh, four assistants plus the head coach. So, I mean, we he, there's different different ways we can make that money um, 
go and I think you kind of have to spread it out instead of just going in one specific area. Yeah, I think um at this level there's a lot of, you know, a lot of holes to plug. I was thinking about that with Dusty May, you know. <laughs> he came out with that that article and was like, "Yeah, man, I wanted to quit. The facilities are terrible." That's also a way like, you know, now that I have everybody looking at me and everybody loves me, how about we go fix these facilities, man? You know, this locker room yeah. sucks. That sucks. They said I wanted to quit. And, you know, I, I think it's it's one it's a little, you know, heartwarming. Wow, what a journey for these guys. But it's also, um, you know, like a way to tell the donors and everybody, no, I really need a basketball facility over here, man. Yeah, I got to fix this up because it sucks. And, um, you know, it's, it's a similar thing here. It's like, I don't know that, like, we could have, we don't have enough money. We meaning, like, that the, the school and the donors and all that other stuff to give him to give our head coach the the Texas Tech experience, right? We're not going to be able to give you $2 million for NIL, um, a, a $20 million practice facility, a new arena, um, you know, and then, you know, 10,000 people in the stadium every every night. Uh, we just don't have that yet. And so it's we had Grant McGasson when we had him, and he leaves. And then here's the thing about building a program, right, is that it has to keep going beyond one or coach, right? There's been a lot of programs that are basically one coach, right? Like Mike Krzyzewski, um, you know, uh, and the, the, the dude from Syracuse, I can't think of his name right now. Bayheim. Yeah, jeez, I'm terrible. Um, but then, you know, there's some that are like our programs, and some of this is a little bit like both, right? Uh, Mark Few has been at Gonzaga for a thousand years, but in the in the couple years before that, it was another guy, and he left, right? And then whatever, Mark Few picked it up and kept it going. Uh, there's a lot of factors that make a program keep going. It's a lot of it's consistent investment. It's uh, I think a lot of it is care. If you care, you're gonna do the little things like show up to this, show up to that, encourage this guy, encourage that guy, and you know, like I said, make it a great place to work. Right? If you're the coach, and you have to come into a dingy little office, yeah, you're gonna be looking for a way out, right? If you come in and you're like, this office is great. Uh, the, the fans are great. The donors are great. And all those things I have to do, I got to sh- do the coaches show. It's great. You know, it's fun. Everybody, you know, it's, it, it's, there's no part of my life that sucks. Then that's good. Right. If, if you're like, you know, it's just, just toxic or it's, nobody shows up that nobody showing up is worse. Right. The toxic that can be changed. You're like, yeah, I just, man, people are over a little too obsessed, but the man I'm here and nobody else is here. It's just me and like that guy, that, yeah, what am I doing out here? You know what I mean? I want to go some where people care. So I think I think that's important. Um, and those are the things like I, I mentioned that because that's where you can start out, people, right? That's where you can like I don't got a million dollars, I can't do nothing. Just show up. Um, show up. Yeah. So and that was the thing is that like I know some people couldn't, right? They're like I went to the conference tournament and I was I didn't plan I, I couldn't get out there. Um, and then everybody said, well, I'm gonna turn that energy you know, into a, a tailgate party or a watching party at, at one of the various places. A uh, friend of the show, Tony D'Souza, um, you know, he threw one because he couldn't get out of work. He was he was trying to get he was trying to get his boss to get him out of there. Um, yeah, sometimes circumstances, right? That's fine, but it can't be just like, well, Tony's not there, therefore nobody's there, right? Like, there has to be more than just him. Um, and so, you know, Tony's at everything. So, uh, uh, like, you know, everybody had a good time at those watch parties. Round of applause. Like, that's the kind of thing I would have liked to see in Vegas. And, again, it's not pointed to any one people, but it's the entire group. We as North Texas didn't show up with the same number of people as Wisconsin did. 
and be like, well, Wisconsin is a national brand. All right, well, they had two-thirds of the arena, and we had, like, a you know, a third of the section there. Um, maybe we could have had two sections, right? Can we can we say that? We're not a national brand, but we're a very good basketball team for six years. Did that win enough fans to maybe get to Las Vegas to get two sections? Like, ah, well, how about maybe, you know, a section and a half? Something like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit there, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, it can't be Wisconsin, okay. It can't be two-thirds. It can't be that side of the arena and then this side of the arena. But can we get half of one side, you know? Like, okay, so. well, we we brought more fans than, what, UAB, right? Yeah, UAB uh, didn't bring nobody. <laughs> Did, and what was our fan base compared to Utah Valley? Uh, Utah Valley had a strong contingent for the semifinal. Uh, I think we were more than them. We had more than them. Um, but it was hard to tell. Because they were wearing like the same green as we were wearing. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. And I accidentally, but, I mean, like, accidentally walked, but, in, almost walked to the tailgate because I was like, is this? I was like, oh, wait, we don't have a bear claw. Wait, where am I? Let me get out of here. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, what, what can you say about UAB? Because they've been more of a national program. Like, I mean, they were better when we were going through the shit that was Tony Benford. Yeah. And they were winning NCAA tournament games. They were winning Conference USA championships. And then... You know, they had a, a brief downfall, but it wasn't it wasn't like a Tony Benford type of downfall. And then they brought in Andy Kennedy. So, I mean, they're, they're going through the same struggles like that. I mean, th- and that's more of a basketball program than we've ever been. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to look at it again. I'm looking at this section and I see there's not a lot of people there. Um, you can see in the stand, I'm looking through my own pictures that, it, again, it's kind of hard to tell because UAB wears a green. And they also were like black, and it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but yeah, there's a smattering of fans hither and thither. Um, it, you know, there was some, there was a lot of Wisconsin fans there too that stayed the whole week, and they were like, "I'm gonna watch the game." There were a couple of Iowa fans that had first row <laughs> tickets here behind me, behind like the media bench, and they were watching it um, because because they couldn't afford the final four tickets. Did you see like? How yeah. the, the price of the women's Final Four versus the men's Final Four? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it was, you know, I read something that was interesting about that. That said, one thing that the, the the women's Final Four has done is not do anything, right? Caitlin Clark has been Caitlin Clark at Iowa for four years. You got time to build up her legend. A lot of people are coming on to her now, but she's been there, and so it's like building a, a little legend, you know, there for a while. I think uh, credit to Jelly Walker for staying at UAB for two seasons. He had, like, the Barstool guys excited about him. But, you know, if he left and he goes somewhere else, you kind of lose that little momentum there. Um, that the women's game, there's not a lot of transfer portal activity or as much. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit more old-school men's college basketball in that way, right? You can kind of understand who a team's going to be for a little bit and then follow them and then that, that – you know, creates excitement and investment. I mean, I don't know any of these dudes in San, in San Diego State, to tell you the truth, you know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of them, like, you find out this year, but, you know. Well, that's because you didn't stay up late watching Mountain West <laughs> basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, like, FAU had just a bunch of dudes. Like, I knew who they were because, you know, we were watching, doing Conference USA stuff, but I couldn't say anything um, – like if you're like I'm a national guy, why should I watch FAU? I'm like I don't know. There's just a there's a lot of guys that are just guys. I mean, you know, like I don't know, and uh, you know they're they're good on the night, but I don't know. Like 
they're just some guys and they're going to finish like fifth in conference. USA. I don't know. I don't know that you really need to know any of them. Um, yeah, anyway, that, that was the interesting thing about the, the what you call it thing. Um, sorry, my, my daughter just walked up here and looking at me like, what's going on? I told her there's pancakes downstairs. Um, so anyway, so, so there's that. It, we can show up. Uh, we can support our team. You know that we're going to have a good squad. Don't wait till it happens. Go in anticipation of it happening, you know? I'm like, ah, wait, I'll wait till they win a national championship, and then and then maybe I'll get uh, some, you know, bleacher seats at, this, at the pit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's an important offseason for the athletic department because you want to keep this momentum rolling into next year, right? If, if you're Mosley and, and his crew is like, okay, we, we won the NIT championship. How can we parlay that into bigger crowds, right? And, I mean, one of it – one of those things is, is a guy like Ross Hodge and keeping the momentum going. Uh, but the other thing is like, okay, now how do we get those fans that watch the game at these watch parties at home to the game. that are posting, yeah, that are posting on their Facebook page, like, Hey, look at my school. We won. Okay. Okay. Now go show up. Like how, how do we, how do we make that happen? You know, one thing that I think is cool, and I talk about this all the time. So I'm leaving Chaffetz Arena here in St. Louis. And then uh, there's a little party bus there taking you to patios or wherever, right? The various bars and things are like, hey, yeah, well, you can come pregame at our bar. And then we'll drop you off in time for the game. And when the game's over, we'll be waiting for you. You hop on the bus and then we'll drive back to the bar. Uh, I don't know that that's a thing right now at the Super Pit. Or they even allow them to do it, but um, I know that's the thing that I would have taken part of if I were 22 or at 21. Um, you know, like that's the time go do a little drinking and have some fun, and uh, you know you get an appropriate amount of uh, lubrication <laughs> before the game, and then you know <laughs> that's it. Uh, I, I don't know. It's little things like that that I think that everybody can make the game day experience a little bit better. But yeah, there, there's, I understand why businesses are not doing that because it's not a thing. You're like, yeah, there's like 3,000 people in there. I want to spend money on his bus. I got to pay this bus driver. He's got to go out there. I mean, somebody's going to be a little too drunk. Why am I dealing with that? For what? For what? An extra $20? Um, I, I get why why that's not the thing. But um, hey, i just tell you right now, uh, just go to the games. Just make it a, make it a thing. Uh, like any good habit, you have to start doing it, and then you just keep doing it, right? It's a thing. Uh, I bought season tickets after I graduated, and I would go to them, and it was a good time. And th- I can tell you, there's sometimes I didn't want to go. I was like, you know, I don't feel like getting ready. I kind of just want to stay here in my <laughs> in, in, in my basketball shorts, just kicking it and uh, on on the sofa here. But I was like, you know, what? I bought I bought the tickets. I'm gonna go. I go to the game, watch them play like a FIU or something, you know. Uh, and it's a good time. You, you have a good time. And if you didn't, just give them away. I don't know. It, it's it's the thing. You have to like basketball. Um, and I encourage you to try to like basketball. Don't listen to everybody else, and don't listen to hot sports opinion. Just appreciate what basketball is. Basketball is a fun game. It's exciting. If you like soccer, you like you can like basketball. It's the same thing. If you like hockey, you can like basketball. It's the same thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of drama associated with it. Um, a lot of many things happening within one game. You know, individual battles between the bigs, individual battles between the guards, um, combination battles where, you know, people are running a two-man game. This ends up, basketball is a great game. 
and I encourage you to to go watch it. Go watch a very good program play basketball. Greg's nodding right now. He forgot it was a podcast. <laughs> it's it's your podcast. It's not my podcast. <laughs> you see, I forgot it's a podcast. You can't nod. Nobody knows what that. They can't hear you nod unless you like nod violently and like hit hit the <laughs> the wall. When there is silence after a long Adam monologue, it's usually because I'm nodding. <laughs> Sorry, my my daughter's trying to get snuggle with me now. Um, all right, so Greg, what what are the major decisions? I, I, like, I think to me, it's secure Aaron Scott, Ruben Jones, and Mulai Sissoko. I think those three guys are going to be coveted by other programs, and then I think once you do that, you can look at filling the spot that uh, Kai Huntsbury and Tyler Perry are leaving. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Ross Hodge had that. I know I sent it to you, and I know it's been posted on the Go Mean Green interwebs and all over. And I watched it last year, but there's an interview with the Heat Check guys with Ross Hodge, and, and he talks about building a roster and transfer portal and kind of comparing it to when he was a junior college coach and saying, you know, hey, when you're a JUCO coach, you know, the transfer portal was like every single year. Like how you built your roster was you sat down with your coaches at the end of the season and was like, okay, well, what do we want to be? What do we want to look like? It was a change from year in to year out, right? So I think for him, if he is the guy, the first thing is like finding the staff, and then deciding on, you know, what exactly do we want to be? Now, he might have in his head already what he wants to be, and so he can reach out to some players, right? I know we're a little bit behind in timing of building a roster, and so, like, that communication with transfer guys really hasn't happened over the past week because they're going to lose. Um, the two assistant coaches are going to follow uh, McCaslin. So, Brayer... And AC, those two guys are going with McCaslin at Texas Tech. So Raj is going to, Ross is going to have a whole new staff. Um, so, yeah, once he gets a staff and they kind of decide on exactly what their roster, you know, then go out and find those guys. And there's a ton of people in the portal still. And you can build a roster very quickly. Um, look at like Kansas State, what they did last year with Tang. You know, he came in near the end and, you know, they got the, a roster built that took them to an Elite Eight. So I'm not saying we're going to build an Elite Eight roster. I'm just saying you can do it very quickly and and build things. So I wouldn't say if you're a fan, like, oh, we have to go out and find the next Tyler Perry. Oh, we have to go out and find the next Kai Huntsbury. Not exactly. We got to find, you know, we, we don't know yet what Ross wants to build. Like, is he going to build around Ruben and Aaron Scott? Like, is the offense going to be dictated more to – Ruben's characteristics, the things that he does well, because I mean, what does Ruben do well? Is he get, he gets out and run. He plays at a great fast pace, and and we haven't been that. Um, so those are some of the, the decisions to come. So I, again, I wouldn't tie yourself down on you know, hey, we got to find a specific player because really it's like, well, what type of specific player does Ross Hodge want in his system? Yeah, and I think if Hopefully, uh, Ross Hodge has picked up, and I think, I mean, he has, right? Uh, just, we just haven't seen it in practice. That um, from from his time with Grant here is that Grant came in with an idea of what he was going to be, 
and that changed a little bit, right? They they famously changed to a team that values every possession, slowed it down a lot, and they won a lot of games that way. Uh, I think they both came in saying, yeah, they, they like the pace. They want to hurry up and sprint five out, and everybody kind of touch the ball, shoot in motion offense, this, that, and the other. And what they found was that they'd have a lot of success doing it this other way. And so I think, you know, it, it'd be kind of silly to ab- abandon something that's won you so much, um, but I think I think the answer is to maybe tweak it. Because there's been times where you're like, eh, you know, we if we had a few more possessions or if we had a different way of playing, then maybe we'd have more um, wiggle room, or maybe a, a way to to do this or that, or put wouldn't put us in a, or put ourselves in in such a, a bind sometimes. Uh, it's kind of like playing the way that they played in the NIT, right? Because they 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 took more opportunities to run when they were there. Like they they tried to push the pace mm-hmm. and to create things off the fast break, like. That's what I want to see, but I'm I'm with you with like the change of pace. I think a lot of that had to do with like the the talent level of the player that you have. Like if Ross is able to go out and get higher talented players than we've had before under McCassum, well then you can you can get more possessions in a game, right? You can play a faster pace. The possessions won't matter. But what, if you're going to continue to recruit the same type of individuals that are, you know, under-recruited, chip-on-the-shoulder type of guys, you want to keep that slower pace. You want lower number of possessions, right? You want – if you're going to get higher efficiency guys, well, the slower the game, the less possessions help you out if you have those type of individuals. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a mark of a good coach is that you don't have one rigid system and trying to put, you know, different guys in your system. You, you tweak your system, you adapt it, you coach this group of players, right? And um, I think Hodge and McGaslin is together as a team. have done a great job of doing that kind of thing, right? Like uh, they came in and they brought in you. Know, you said that thing. Who do we want to be? You know, they lost Thomas Bell, who was uh, tough, talented defensively, but you know he's limited offensively, right? I think he's added to his game in the pros, but he he didn't really have a handle. He's not a shooter, um, and so what you can do with him, like you know, his best skill set is maybe throwing it to him in the post and then he kind of there so to do that you got to slow the ball the the game down a lot uh same thing with like uh uh drez and who else would we lose um uh a couple of those other guys it's a lot of it like you know he's good in a set offense where he can come off a couple screens catch shooting three that's the offense that 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 makes this team the best that's run that when he had uh he had kai huntsbury Jaden martinez um, Sissoko and and uh, I'm missing one, yeah, uh, Edie. Those guys are known for their shooting ability. You can see some of their highlights. They're getting out and running, catching, shooting on the run. Um, and the idea was maybe we'd lose a little bit defensively, but we're gonna be able to shoot a little bit more, get out in the break a little bit more, and be a little bit more dynamic. And now that wasn't always true. And I think um, like Martinez had to play a lot more of the five than I think anybody want, expected him to. But they kind of tried to get a little five out. He shot a lot. He did some good things. Edie got hurt late in the season. That kind of took away a lot of stuff. But he was still tough. He was still a defensive player. Uh, he wasn't quite the shooter or the scorer that he was a little bit earlier in the season. And Kai Hudsbury, I think we were all like, I don't know. He can score in Division Two, but it's Division One, buddy. Let's see what's going on. And then he's he's scoring <laughs> at a ridiculous pace. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. When, when we were making a run in conference play, it, it was Kai Hudsbury that was – the big component of that, that was kind of the, 
the change that happened during the year was like, you know, he became more confident in himself. He wasn't, you know, trying to, he didn't look unsure when he was playing. I know a lot of people highlighted that it was, you know, Huntsbury would be at the top of the key and like looking for somebody to pass the ball to instead of creating offense. And then once we got into the middle of conference play, he wasn't doing that. He was creating offense. He was finding guys open and he was finishing at the rim. And so, I mean, he just, he, he really grew up and I mean, he was a great player. And, and then like when we brought in Huntsbury, like you said, he was no one for being a scorer, not a defender. He wasn't great as a defender early on in the season, but as the season progressed, he got really good at defending. Yeah. He, like I said, he held Jelly Walker to 21 points and then matched him with his own 21 points. I think that was just an epic performance there. I'll remember that for a long, long time because, um, uh, you know, he was a primary defender and then at times the primary scorer. Uh, a lot, so, you know, you mentioned him kind of getting more comfortable. I think a lot of that was, you know, the, the political dynamics of a team, right? You come to a team, you're like, yeah, I was known as a scorer and this is kind of how I would do it, but I know this is not my team. I'm new here, and I know you're the dude, Tyler Perry. So, you know, like, I'm trying to play off you and kind of defer to you. And, you know, what they needed, they're like, yeah, we brought you in to do your thing, so you got to do your thing. And once they figured out a combination and a partnership, they were dynamic. I, I think I, I talked about it on the post-game podcast from the hotel. Was that, like, I think in their last, they were averaging, like, 30-something points a game, 40 points a game. Um the uh, Perry Huntsbury combination. They carried the squad. They were primary scorers. And a lot of that was like, you go score. Now I get the ball. And I go score. And the, and the defense had nothing, you know, they couldn't isolate or concentrate on one or two of those guys. So, you know, it was a great, I was 30, 31 wins and a title. Um, second in the, in the conference. Of course, it was a great time, right? Of course, it was a lot of success. Um, good yeah. players. So going back to it, right? That's the thing. Who do you want to be? says says Ross Hodge probably right now and he's putting together who do I want to be and then he puts together a staff and then asks the staff who do we want to be and I think um, to their credit he, they picked up he was part of the group that picked up Huntsbury and Edie and Martinez and Sissoku all those guys contributed a ton they went four for four I think on that and everybody's like maybe Huntsbury and it wasn't Sissoku earlier and Martinez was not as good late but I think four out of four on those transfers. That was huge, huge pickups. And so you're right. Yeah, you can transform your team and they can be part, they can fit into your team easily and then go out there and win. Sissoko probably stays if, you know, it all like it matches up. They come on and keep that. And I, I'm a big fan of his. I thought he did great. Um, yeah. I think you need a backup five because I think Usman's leaving. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, everything that I've heard, seen, um, is that Usman will not be back next year. So, yes, you do you do need a backup five. I mean, you have was um, Morgan, who's been there, who hasn't. You know, he's the young kid from the Dallas area that, you know, has a lot of offensive potential, but I think that he didn't get to play because of the defensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have, you know, the young point guard, Christian Moore, who I've, I've been very high on, and, and I want to see. I don't know if he can be the starting point guard next year, but I think like he's going to play a, a pretty big role in he, what this team is. He was a garbage time all-star there for a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, 
it was garbage time all star all year when we did have garbage time. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, I use a pretty good shooter and you see like just from the bits and pieces of him playing at the end of games, you see the potential there of like a dude that can get into the middle of a defense and create for other people and has the ability to knock down an open three. And that, <clears throat> that kind of carries along the line of, having a high efficiency team. Like if you're going to play a slow tempo, you want to have a dude late in the shot clock that can get into the middle of the lane and get shots for other people and, and then hit threes like he did. So, and then, I mean, you have Matthew stone and, and really for stone, like uh, he's not going to be a starter next year. There's, there's just no way we, but you hope that he gets better at knocking down the open threes, right? He, whether it's a mental thing or not, like he, he has the potential to be like a good role player off the bench, right? Like because he hustles, plays hard. But I mean, there's still some some pieces there missing to to his game. You know, got to work on that that half court shot. That was pretty bad. That was uh, <laughs> that was pretty bad. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that, like like you know, and again, we're just a couple guys, right? But I think Matt Stone, if he can develop that. Stand still, three point shot. You can make himself a weapon. And you say because he has, he hustles, he plays tough defense, and he'll rebound. Those are things that keep you on the court. And if you add yourself, make yourself a threat being a shooter, you can play big minutes. And maybe you're not, you know, like, uh, and all the this, these other things. Can he jump out the gym? Does he have the great greatest handle? No, but he can shoot. He can play. He's a three and D guy, right? And he can go out there and rebound. I think that that kind of stuff can keep you on the court for a long time. And, I mean, that's basically what Aaron Scott was doing for a while. Uh, like, just stand still three, and then he just adds all this athleticism to it. Yeah, and then you have the, the freshman that's coming in, Alex Cotton, who's a a 6'5 wing guy. Didn't play a lot this year in high school because he was injured, but, I mean, he really burst onto the scene last year with his outside shooting ability and his ability to play defense as well, too. So, you know, I, I think he's still going to, you know, he signed his letter of intent. I don't know if he's going to ask to be released from that so that he could go to Texas Tech. But I, I think, like, he ends up at at North Texas. And that's, like, I, I expect him to play next year. Like, I expect him to be like a, a Reuben Jones when he was a freshman, like an Aaron Scott when he was a freshman, to earn some, you know, quality minutes uh, because we're going to need dudes that can score. And if you got a 6'5 wing guy that can score, right, there's there's uh, not a lot of those in college basketball. Oh, that's a, there's a place for you there. Yeah, so, I mean, I think college basketball is led by the by the elder statesmen, so to speak. Um, you know, there's just a lot of situations where you have to keep your head or understand this, that, and the other. And, like, truly special freshmen are usually – just so talented that you can't keep them off the floor. But I think there's, there, you know, there's times where then they kind of run up against somebody that just kind of is a little more wily, you know, a little bit more of a veteran, and they can kind of stymie them for a little bit before. Yeah, I yeah. mean, a great example of that is Duke versus Tennessee this year. Like, where you had Tennessee had, like, all the old guys that, you know, are playing ball at the park. <laughs> and uh, Duke was a bunch of, bunch of young, fresh faces, and, and they beat them right? Or or Duke lost to him. So, but, you know, getting back to your point about freshmen in college basketball, we didn't see a ton of impact freshmen like we used to be. It used to be 
Like during the early part of the one and done years, it was like Kevin Durant's type of players coming in, make an impact in year one for a team, take them far in the tournament, and then it was done. Now, what the transfer portal is done is that all these coaches are valuing experience over rather a high school freshman coming in because mm-hmm. you 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 know what the experienced dude is capable of bringing. You're not a hundred percent sure of what the freshman guy's picking. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, like that's the thing. It's like I think I think there's value in getting a high school guy and bringing him along in your program, um, but it's it is risky for the coaches because like I don't know, is, I'm gonna spend time, effort developing him for a little bit, and he's gonna leave, or you know, if he doesn't get playing time, if I don't pick the right guy, this, that, and the other, and then scholarships are valuable. You wanna you wanna spend them on the right the right guy, the right guy for your program. Um, that's like Tyler Perry likes being in Denton, and then like you're like, yeah, well, Denton's not as as uh as attractive as like a Miami, but you know, then Tyler Perry said on this, on this show, yeah, I mean, I don't really like, I don't really like Las Vegas. He said, no, Vegas, not my kind of place. I like a cookout. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you have to figure out what it is that this player likes and if you fit your program. Uh, not every place needs to be downtown in, uh, you know, uh, amongst, you know, in, in New York or something like that. Some people want yeah, to so change pace, want something quiet. Just thinking about it, I mean, we have what six open scholarships. Yeah, that, that that's you know that's half lot. of a roster. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's the thing is that six of them you can get a whole squad, a whole starting five plus a bench guy, but six. Oh, I'm sorry, it's it's seven because of Perry, Usman, Edie, Martinez, Zephyr, who transferred mid-year, Brown, and Huntsbury. I like it. It, there's opportunity. It, North Texas is a good program. They have winning tradition now, and you can you, you you got room. We have openings to come in here and win some games and to to be the guy. Um, again, I look at it. I think Perry's going to leave. I think everybody feels like Perry's going to leave. Um, and so I think you need a a, a, a top score. Huntsbury's going to leave. I think you need a secondary score. And now, like we said last year, right? you can go back and read what we said about come this year, and we're, we're mostly right. It's like you need a guy to handle the ball. You need a secondary ball handler to give that guy a break. You need a primary scorer, and then you need somebody that can take the pressure off him and can score a little bit, right? That's a Huntsbury. We didn't know that was going to be Huntsbury. We didn't know who that was going to be. It could be any combination of guys. Um, and, you know, like last year it was um, Thomas Bell had the high usage rate, right? That was, their, that was your four-man this year, it's uh, Tyler Perry, Kai Huntsbury. That's your one and two guards, right? It can be different. And then you need you need a big. I like Sissoko as that big. We're losing Usman, which is tough because, you know, he's very good. Um, and so you need a backup guy, you know. And, and I think ideally is that you recruit a guy that can make Sissoko put, put him on the bench, right? <laughs> you, you build depth by pushing your starters down. I think, you know what I mean? Like, that's the way you want to do. I want to get a better guy than I got now and push my starter level dude to the... You're like, well, that's kind of rough. That's what FAU did. Mike Forrest was the starter last year. He got moved to the bench because, you know, they had a, a few more talented dudes in there. And that builds... Yeah, it builds their whole squad. So I think I think that's important. Um, I'd like to see, you know, like Aaron Scott. Aaron, I need, I'd like to see another Aaron Scott type dude. Um, you know, because... Aaron's uh, he's in his third year right now. Uh, yeah. so next year's gonna be his fourth year. Maybe you get a guy to come in and learn from him the way Aaron Scott learned from like Thomas Bell, where in practice you can say we need you to do what Thomas Bell's doing every time, 
And then he's like, okay, you know, like you can kind of build that culture of, of working hard, all that stuff. So I, th- I think finding a guy like that to learn from an Aaron Scott right now is, is the time. Yeah, you want to find guys that can learn from Aaron Scott and Ruben Jones and pass it on. And so, like, I think we had this conversation offline where, you know, I was thinking, like, maybe the dudes that we bring in have some extra years. Like, you're not bringing in a transfer who has just one year left. You're bringing in a transfer who has, you know, two years left. So they can pass it on to the next dude. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, you're losing seven guys. You're going to need some experienced dudes in the locker room, right? So if you can bring in an ED or a Martinez type of dude who's been around, played four or five years, you know, those guys are going to be valuable as well too. Yeah. Yeah, you you need the, the right mix of veterans and 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 talent. Yeah, you need somebody like, no, this is the way it's done. And so they calm everybody down. And then somebody with fresh ideas to say, I don't care how it's done. Because I'm going to do it this way <laughs> to to break them all a little bit. And we uh, say all this, and the good thing is that Ross Hodge has experience doing exactly what we said. Yeah, like uh, he has experience building rosters. Yeah, I think they they did a great job, and you know, so we got these guys, and like, I can see how they fit. Um, it's kind of hard to tell that uh, you know where exactly they'll be, where exactly they'll go. Um, I did not have Sissoko Bean, the number one center, starting center. And basically, single-handedly, bullying Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. And then we, we said, you know, you got to think about teams like uh, UAB and Trey Jemison, and they got they got a lot of bigs and athletes in there. And he beat them, right? He was in there battling with them, and he, he held his own. North Texas out-rebounded UAB in that game, in the in the championship game. And that it's a lot on Mulai Sissoko. That, that was a great pickup just for that piece there, right? Yeah. Um, and like I said, and Martinez too, right? Like we, he came in as a shooter. He did a lot of that early. He got hurt. He was working his way back. Kind of time right now, but I think he had nice minutes in the NIT tournament. Uh, he didn't play as well in the, in the championship game as he did in the semifinal versus Wisconsin, but he had a nice putback dunk. <laughs> that was nice. yeah. I mean, he came in as a shooter, and everybody thought like the the pick and pop stuff with Tyler Perry was just gonna like take off and. It, I mean, like it had Oral its, Roberts type things. Yeah. yeah, it had its moments. Like, I mean, we, we don't beat FIU on the road without Jaden Martinez. Yeah. But where Martinez really excelled throughout the year was his defensive ability. Like, I thought he was excellent as a defensive sub. Whenever Usman came out, the defense actually got a little bit better. And he was a great rebounder. Like, he came yeah. in, he blocked, he blocked dudes out. He got a lot of rebounds, so like maybe he wasn't the guy that we thought he was going to be, but that doesn't mean that he didn't have a huge impact on the team. Yeah, and then yeah, he did. He did. He was uh, one of those subtle guys. Like again, Tyree Edie, super tough. He had a broken wrist, and he's out there. There was one time the ball's going to his right side, his broken wrist side, and he puts it behind his back, and then puts his left hand up to try to rebound it with just one. He he got the rebound. and uh, I mean, yeah, that that's just uh, you know you talking about like tough and gritting through it. That's that's what he did. And then Ruben Jones, he came back from an injury, uh, rehabbed it, came back and was, uh, you know, the all around kind of contributor that you need on a basketball team. Somebody that does a little bit that covers multiple roles. Ball handler, handler. He had he had some of the best passes of the season. Um, defender. Um, slasher, scorer, fast break dude, rebounder. He he did a little bit of everything. 
He hit a three to open the game. Um, I, I, I'd like to see more Ruben Jones. I think he could build a team around this Ruben Jones. Uh, I think Rubens can still get 15 to 20 points a game, uh, especially if he keeps adding that, that jumper to that jumper that he has. Uh, he can get to the rim almost anytime he wants. Uh, he got ripped once by Jelly Walker, but that was kind of a weird possession. Um, I, I, yeah, I, that was. Yeah, that, that keep going, keep going. That was a weird <laughs> possession. Yeah, um, that I, I like him scoring fifty. I think you could build a team around him. And so, if, like I said, we need a primary score. Maybe we have that on the squad, and maybe we just get a secondary score. I don't know. Like I think Hodge and and they'll have some conversations and they'll. They'll figure out something. I think you got to bring a guy in that can do it just to keep the guy honest, right? Like that's you need you always need competition internally to prepare you for competition externally. Here's the thing: is like if you build a team around Ruben Jones, who's a great dude to come off the bench and not and be the Ruben Jones after him is Christian Moore. Like yeah. there, Moore is not the same height wise, right? He's not six foot five, and he's not going to guard you know the great players, but his game is similar to Ruben Jones offensively. Like you, you see the little pieces here of him, like we've mentioned before, getting in, in the lane, you know, he's left-handed, can hit the three. So like, I think if, if we're going to do that, we're going to build around Ruben, you're going to see the faster pace and you're going to see dudes that aren't like probably more athletic at cutting to the basket because where Ruben excels and then we keep saying this, it's just like, he has great, he has great vision, passing ability. So you want dudes that are able to get open. And I felt like a lot of times this year's, you know, we had guys that just stood around the perimeter <laughs> instead of cutting to the basket. Yeah. Like if, if you get open and you cut to the basket, Ruben's going to find you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm already getting excited about next season. I think it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough conference. The American is tough, but I think it's going to help recruit better players. Cause you get to say, Hey, you get to go play against a Memphis. Uh, you get to get play against the FAU, went to the final four, come to Denton, right? You know, like if, you know, maybe, maybe you think about going this way, that way, come here, you can win a national championship here. It's not unreasonable. You can be the number one team in the nation here. It's not unreasonable, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You can really sell the program at this point for the right kind of guy. You know, I think everybody else is selling everybody else on, on the sort of the same things. Um, but there's that next tier of dudes that are very good basketball players that you can get and you can go challenge them. Like you look at what FAU did, right? Elijah Martin. I think they're all been recruited by people now that they're good, right? Um, uh, Gaffney played at UConn, I think. Um, you know, like even like Mike Forrest, Golden, Rosado. None of those guys are like that much better, if at all. Than what North Texas had, they're just they just played together as a team, and like you can get a Gaffney, you can get a Martin, you can get a um, uh, what's his name, John L. Davis, you can get all those guys or a version of those guys somewhere, and and uh, you know North Texas has had that kind of caliber here. Um, the the thing is to get them, keep them together, and get them playing the the, the right way, and they want to. You got to need a coach that fosters that kind of environment. Um, credit to McGaslin, credit to Hodge, right. They kept talking about love and all this other stuff, and then you hear these guys quoting it. That's how you know that the program ethos is is permeated throughout the team, right? They're all quoting. They're talking like coaches. Good stuff. My mom just walked in. She said, pancakes. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. The sound of pancakes means it is time for us to close this down. 
Uh, thanks for listening to the show. I don't know how many more basketball podcasts we'll have. Uh, we'll probably get on once, like, I think the transfer portal opens up and guys can sign soon. Uh, but we're going to pivot in a little bit and start talking about spring football. Um, stay tuned for more of that. Eric Morris is out there trying to coach guys up. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's spring football. I can tell you everything about everything right now. It's, uh, we love the way the guys are practicing. Everybody's faster, stronger. We love what we have. The guys are looking good out there. <laughs> it's spring. Yeah, everybody looks good. And uh, we'll, we'll figure out who's going to play quarterback for that squad and, and what and all that good stuff. Open against Cal. That should be a good one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're done. Go Mean Green.